Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. I'm your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. Yes, another interview segment. I'm like, oh, my God, we're having like two in, in, in a span of less than four weeks. Incredible, huh? It is, because I'm telling you, I'm not really super religious, but every time we do something like this, it's like a blessing from God, because you just never know how people's schedules are going to fall in, in with yours eventually to where you can get them to do the show. And, of course, you want to have somebody that really wants to do the show, and I do right now, and I'm and I'm very excited about that. We got a a, a poet, a, a writer, and um, a musician. His name is uh, Mitchell Flanagan. I believe I'm saying that correctly. All right, yes, he yeah. is uh, a, a writer. He's got some work out in the Conogram, and of course, uh, I was truly an aerial chart, so we're very happy to have him on board. Uh, he uh, he has a band called Cold Heaven. That's kind of a cool uh, name. Uh, they got an album out called Unraveled. And uh, let's welcome on the show, that's uh, Mitchell Flanagan. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you, Mark? Thank you for having me. This is uh, a wonderful experience. You I'm know? doing, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad you're also listening, too. I figured, because it only makes like you know authentic sense, I try to keep the show as real as possible. Let me check out this cold heaven and see what they're doing. Because you never know, the title doesn't exactly tell you you know, they're doing like punk rock here or they're blazing out some metal or is this straight devil music? We don't know. And so, <laughs> and so I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, they sound like the church from the late 1980s, which is cool. Cause I, I kind of <laughs> like them. So I'm like, yeah, that's, I, I like it. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, the church is a cool band. Uh, we're more in lines with like the Cure and Joy Division. So uh, New Order. But. Yeah, um, the whole name actually comes from a W.B. Yeats poem, who's one of my favorite poets. Uh, it's from the Cold Heaven. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. it took, uh, yeah, it's and it's uh, it's actually about uh, uh, one of his loves in Manchester, and it's about the Manchester landscape. And a lot of my favorite bands were from Manchester, and uh, so I was like, oh man, this this title would be awesome for my band. So yeah. it works on multiple levels. So it's cool. I like that. Yeah. Well, that that's that artistically you could do that with many things in fact i i always encourage writers i said listen obviously it's important on the body of the work that you're doing whether it's the poem or the short story you know etc but give some thought to having a cool title especially if a title that might have some multi-dimensions or or, or just more than just one 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 slap of a meaning on on the page because it, it helps the writer and, and in many ways the reader imagine more for the for the work that maybe even it's there it, it's kind of like a, a literary optical illusion so that's that's a great thing absolutely thank you thank you yeah yeah it, it is it just you know it gives it like you were saying it just gives it so much more meaning and uh just becomes more meaningful and uh yeah well i'm yeah. really i'm really happy you're out there and i'm, I'm really happy that you were uh, submitting over to aerial chart 
this is going to sound weird, and, you know, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm Mark Anthony Rossi. I could be a little weird at times. <laughs> but I like the writing that you're doing because many a times I get work, and this is not a complaint. It's just simply an observation because the work is solid. I'm still happy with it. But I get a lot of work that's not necessarily poetic. And I don't mean that it's just flat or prose or it, that, that it has no metaphor, it has no meaning, it has no no oomph in it. I just mean that oftentimes you, you, you're having to uh, extract meaning where a lot of your work is already poetic, which I know sounds strange because it's like, damn, it's a poem. Shouldn't it be poetic? No, a poem, <laughs> a poem could have a lot of different you know, angles to it. You don't have to just be poetic all the time, but it's refreshing to have some more poetic work. That's one of the reasons why I like your work. Oh, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. Yeah, um, I don't really uh, – it's it's interesting to hear that just because I don't really think of my work in that sort of way. You know, I'm just sort of writing it. And uh, so I really appreciate hearing a critique like that. It's really cool. Well, it's probably um, it's probably just natural, which is, which is great because I think oftentimes if you tell somebody, hey, man, you think you could be a little more poetic with this? Yeah. If they force it and it, you know, it, it just, it, it may not work out. It might just like just look or sound force, and that might even be worse than what they were doing before. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard for me when anyone says, "Oh, can you write more like this or that?" That's that, that's definitely hard for me. So it's just, it's my writing process is more just, just letting it flow, I guess. Uh, more, um, how do you say? Um, I guess. Um, well, they used to they used to have yeah. this they used to have this um, type of uh, uh, style, and I know some people still do it, uh, like a stream of conscience type of style. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what that's what I was trying to go with. Yeah, definitely. In um, a lot of your work, it, there's still a lot of poeticness to that, because lots of times with stream of awesome. consciousness is not always very poetic. It's often exactly like like 20 lines that sound like one thought that maybe you, you, you heard in your brain, you know, just before you had coffee that morning, you know? Yeah. It right. doesn't always have a lot of poeticness and yours still does, which is, which is good because then you can meld those two together and it makes a, a real interesting piece of writing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think I, I, I would attribute some of that to my, um, my lyricism, you know, like just writing lyrics for, uh, for the band. Uh, that's I feel like that's kind of helped me uh, be a little more poetic and stuff because um, the way you the way you sing is not the way you talk. So yeah. it's a little different. So. It makes sense. That makes sense to me. And I, I, I really haven't given that a lot of thought because, you know, when you're dealing with a writer, a lot of times they don't exactly have a band and they're not exactly writing, uh, you know, lyrics unless it's, you know lyrics of the love life or something like that you know in, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in you know in their room someplace like saying uh you know woe is me and this and that but uh yeah I, I guess that makes sense and 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 if in some ways your music writing informs your regular writing well that's that's interesting exactly. and, and unique right, because yeah. many a times uh like uh, jim morrison's a perfect example where his poetry in his sketchbooks helped inform his lyrics rather than the other way around. So you, yeah. you, do, you do some of the opposite of what he was doing. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah that, that, that's that's great, yeah. And he was really yeah. actually a good writer, too. Oh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big uh, Doris fan. I'm a big Jim Morrison fan, so <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's, uh, it's too bad he had such a horrible, reckless life, you know, but uh, you know, in terms, yeah, of, in no, terms no. of an artist, well, he, was, he was definitely great. 
Absolutely. Definitely. An inspiration for sure. And yeah, I, I mean, I just have so many, uh, other poets and that so many other people who are just inspiring me. Uh, so like, uh, I don't know, Langston Hughes and E. Cummins, Jim Zimmerman, Emily Dickinson, Jack Kerouac, Raymond Carver. You know, I, I love those, you know, love those people. I, I'm leaving out other artists. Oh, no, don't but. worry about it. Like, everybody's <laughs> going to do that. You're going you're gonna to bring the ones that, you know, you might feel the closest or the strongest to, and, that, and, that, and that's fine. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So that, that and that's great. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a collection right there. And and you're a guy. You're talking about Emily Dickinson. Well, you don't. Even oh, hear she's that, awesome. You don't hear a lot of guys <laughs> talk about that, which I don't understand because I know that they read them privately, and then they, and, right. and you talk to them in public, like, no, I can't talk about her, man. <laughs> what, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. People are a little weird that way, but you know, I'm not going to force anybody to bring something out. But I, I always wondered about Absolutely. that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't understand why people do that with with any kind of art. I mean, you should be open to all of it, really, you know. Yeah, well, I did a show on her too. You know, we uh, we do shows oftentimes on writers and you know different other other art forms as well. And we we did one on her. And yeah, I've been meaning to listen to that one. I want to also yeah. listen to the the C.S. Lewis one too, because I love C.S. Lewis too. So yeah, that, that I, one, I was interested that, in one really, that one really that one really came out great. But I you know I got a I got a couple knocks on that. You're gonna get that because they get emails about the show and. Yeah, yeah, and people I, are just gonna knock him too, uh, just for uh, being. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind the knocks. I really don't. Even if, yeah, even yeah. if they're nasty, I really don't mind it. I mean, people are listening, and you you gotta you put yourself out there. That's what happens. Yeah, you're true. I got, true. I got a couple knocks that to me it didn't make any sense, and I had to write back to him. I said, "Let me get this straight here, okay? Um, like ninety-five percent of this guy's writing is religiously oriented because he went over become an atheist to to a Christian." How right. how can I avoid his Christianity and his religion if I'm doing a show about his writing? I even if I don't believe in anything the guy has to say, I gotta mention it. What's wrong with you? So I got, I got some knocks on that. I'm like, I don't get it. It's not like I'm trying to promote it. It's just that's who he was. The guy was practically right. a theologian. What the heck are we mean to here? So yeah, oh, I thought about you the other day because uh, um. So my friend, uh, he had this musical project, and he wanted me to guest sing on it. So I did some guest singing, and it was up in Binghamton. So he drove up to Binghamton, and he points out to me where uh, Rod Serling's um, house was, where I grew up. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I thought about that uh, episode you did on Rod, and I thought, oh, man, this is so cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, was, was cool. I was just amazed by that. And, uh, I, of course, a massive, massive fan. And when I got to finally review the, the first book that was about his life, you know, I was so shocked that his wife had, had sent me a personal note because she was at the publisher when I made the request. And uh, I always said to myself, I mean, one day I'll talk about this, but I'm not going to talk about it until, you know, she's passed too because I don't want to embarrass yeah. anybody. I mean, the daughter's still around. She's a good girl, but I don't want to uh, hurt anybody's feelings. So I finally was able to talk about that a little bit because, you know, yeah. the guy the guy was, was brilliant beyond belief, but, um, he, you know, he was deep, absolutely he was deeply troubled with the, with the, with the mental illness. And, uh, and that's what Twilight Zone is. It's, it's uh, pretty much post-stress. That's what it is. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and, and he, he was heavy smoking and, and heavy womanizer. I'm telling you. So, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it was fascinating to learn that part of his life. Yeah. You don't pick the way you, cause you look at him and you don't think, you know, he's a heavy smoker because God, I don't even know 
if there's a photograph of Rod Serling that doesn't have a cigarette in his friggin' hand. I, I don't even think it <laughs> exists. Point. I really don't. I, I, I think there was a cigarette in his hand when he was holding his kid. I mean, that's how many damn cigarettes this guy had. You know? So maybe when he uh, only when he was introduced in a Twilight Zone episode, was that the only time, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. I Probably the only time he didn't smoke was when he was having sex with the 10,000 girlfriends he had, because that's probably the only time. <laughs> Lord. Yeah, he was. A, but that, that that directly contributed to that man's death, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate that he uh, you know left early, but he was still an amazing, amazing artist. Yeah, and, every, uh, everything, everything about that guy was in, 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 incredible. I'm telling you. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. He's an inspiration to me as well. So it was awesome listening to that and just like. Get him, uh, you know, just hearing someone else gloat about him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. Well, I, I do, I did a couple, couple of TV shows um, uh, that, that became artistic, uh, you know, hits or, or really cultural phenomenons. You know, we did the one on Gene Roddenberry in Star Trek, and um, I'm gonna do a Battlestar Galactica one here later in the month. So, oh, awesome! Yeah. I'm a huge fan. Me and my, yeah, me and my friend, uh, we're huge fans of that show. Oh, that's awesome! I can't yeah. wait for that one. We already, <laughs> we did, we did one, a uh, uh, Dune one last year, so that was. That yeah, was, I remember the Dune one. I listened to the Dune yeah. one. That was cool. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. How'd you like the new Dune movie? I, I, I liked it a lot, but I, I don't have a problem with people, you know, uh, getting mad about certain things because it, it's an extremely complex book. I don't really think it's possible to. Um, to cover it all and on top of that when you're this director here he's gonna make sure that he's not like going over the same tracks of what you know what the other fellow did you know yeah and, lynch, and, yeah. Yeah, and lynch in the 1984 version of it so yeah when you when you I love that version too <laughs> I, 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 I love it as well but but you when you have that in your consciousness it's almost like you're, you're trying to veer off to someplace else which is okay for the fans and even for the book to be able to see a lot of stuff. And, of course, you know, technology has changed so much. The book is uh, – excuse me, this movie is much more visually compelling than, than the 1984 book yeah, uh, and movie. Right. But um, I could see why, you know, people would say um, I like this versus that or I like both of them. And, you know, uh, this is almost a three-hour movie. They're going to do another one probably for another three hours. And I swear to God, I don't even think six hours really covers the book. I just, yeah, I, absolutely. It's not even a criticism. It's just the truth. Yeah, definitely. Yep, absolutely. And that, I think this version is definitely trying to cover the book more too. Um, so I mean, we'll see. See how it goes. See how they finish it up. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's certain things I like about it that was, uh, I think, a, a lot more um, deeper thinking in, in terms of what the uh, 1984 version did because I I, I never liked the part. In that movie, where they made uh, the Baron, you know, to be just a just a fat comic figure versus somebody that was that was serious, regardless if he was yeah. a, regardless if he was a pervert and a psycho and a fat dude. Um, this movie took him a lot more seriously. You could see that, regardless of uh, the immorality of of the person, he still was a thinker. He still was a strategical plotter. He still was somebody that had a plan. He wasn't just sitting there eating grapes and trying to take over the universe. And right. I thought that was smarter to show that versus what they did in the first movie because it, it's harder to take that kind of guy seriously. 
Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. I didn't even think about it in that way. Because uh, just because like the Baron's just that fun character to hate, so I don't, I didn't really pay attention to things like that about that. So that's cool. I'm glad you pointed that out. That's definitely a good point. Um, yeah, I, I honestly like both parts of that too, though. You know, I think Lynch is kind of making fun of the whole power structure of someone like that making him a character like you're saying. And then, yeah, so it was cool to see this new version definitely just take him, like you were saying, uh, more serious. Yeah, I, I mean, they, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but they did um, a, a TNT cable version of it as well, a Dune, a remake oh, of that. Really? Yeah, you got oh, you to yeah. check that out. And, and this, is the yeah, inter- this, this is the interesting thing about that. Again, we get another version of Dune where they came out with something that nobody else had talked about. And which is great, but the casting was horrible. The dude that plays Paul, he looks like he could be modeling clothes in Paris, okay, as a guy. <laughs> as, a, as a guy, and I'm not even making fun of him. That's just the truth. I mean, he, yeah. he's like perfect looking. And then check this out: his mother, she doesn't look old enough to be his mother. She looks like his friggin' girlfriend. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> who, who casted this? He's about to sleep with his mother. I don't look like he's gonna actually. <laughs> Take orders from her. She doesn't look like she's <laughs> some older Benny Jesuit, you know, friggin' witch woman. No, no. So that that yeah. part I didn't like. But they they had they had done a scene that the first movie skipped. I'm not even sure if the second movie is gonna uh, skip it or not because it won't be seen until the second part. But there was a scene in the book that was that I thought was important. And in the movie, they, the first movie, they skip it over to where when he finally sees Gurney. Right, he's yeah, so yeah. he's so happy to see him. Okay, cool. Let's go fight these bums in the universe. Okay, I'm glad you're happy. But the book makes it really clear that when he first sees Gurney, he tries to strangle him to death in his tent because he felt that was Gurney that betrayed them to the emperor and almost got him and his mother whacked and of course got his father murdered, not realizing that it was Doctor Yui all along that did that. Uh, and they show uh, that they show that in the real like. The real struggle with him going, what the, oh, what the hell is this guy? I'm gonna kill him. So yeah. he never realized it was it was Doctor Yui that did that. He he always thought it was it was freaking Gurney. So yeah, they they brought that into the into the movie there, which they didn't. And I don't like that had way too blue of an eyes in that cable version either. Everybody's eyes were so freaking blue. It's like I can't even look at you. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're killing me over here, Aquamarine Aqua boy. You're murdering me here. But, uh, <laughs> So again, you can look at oh, you can look funny. at that too. Maybe you can find it on one of the streaming things. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah, and, I'll have to try and look into that. Probably for sure. even YouTube or something, yeah. and and um, check it out. And another another element to it that adds to it, which I don't know if the other movie is going to do that or not. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, and uh, but I I really liked um, what they did, and I liked that because my favorite character of all of them was was always the uh, was always Duncan. And I never liked okay. in the first movie that they kind of like gave him like just a short amount of stuff to do. Not to mention that right. that's a classic character actor. That dude is like hardcore great. Anything he's ever done was fabulous. Died early of cancer. And, um, and I'm like, oh, my God, I like this guy. I mean, you know, my favorite character. And they didn't give him a whole lot to do. And I'm, and I'm glad they gave him a little bit more to do in the movie, you know, to show you, yeah. the, to show you the real warrior he was. Because in the first movie, they tell you he's a warrior. 
Okay, he's dressed like a warrior, but he seems more like a friggin' like James Bond spy dude than some like actual swordmaster. <laughs> you know, in the in, yeah. the in the new Dune movie, you get to see him kicking some ass. I mean, sure, it's Aquaman, give him a sword, all right, whatever. But, yeah, right. But, but that's, <laughs> he was still rock and rolling on that, so I'm happy to see that. Yeah, they definitely gave it more of a bigger feel in this newer version, more of a, you know, like a more of a Star Wars kind of feel or Game of Thrones kind of feel, like more epic, I guess, yeah, you know. They probably had to, but just because <laughs> yeah, they, right, they were exactly. worried about the, the box office and, and, of course, you know, worried about people watching it on HBO Max versus watching it in the theater and, um, and yep, you know, all, the, all these new things that would have never been a, a possibility in 1984, you know. Yep, yep, definitely. And and also the studio cut a lot of uh, of David Lynch's original cut too, so he, yeah, he so that's he said that, and and I and I don't have a problem believing that, but um, yeah, I'm also convinced too that if we ever get all that back in one day and we get to see that, we're still not going to be fully satisfied because I don't really think it's possible to cover everything from yeah, from that book. I, I just don't think it is. So I mean. I mean, he's been hitting his head uh, against the wall for 30 years, but uh, I, I don't. Yeah. Really, I don't really think it's necessary. Yeah, fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> so tell, yeah. tell tell me, because uh, I really haven't asked any about this before, but we all have dealt with the pandemic in different ways. But artistically, I mean, did you try to to use some of maybe the downtime or just maybe some of the the weird pandemic things that we all have to deal with in our personal lives to see if you can you know, get more artistic or do more artistic things. Yeah, I absolutely did use it in that way. And like, uh, it was weird to say a lot of the times because people would be asking me how I'm doing. And I'd be like, oh, I'm doing great, like and thriving in a way, you know, and it'd be weird to say with all that going on. But I really was. I really, I love the time that I got to just work on everything I've been doing with music, with just writing my short stories, writing my poems, working on the novel. Uh, I put a bunch of poetry books together finally, um, just writing new music. And uh, I've been designing stuff too. So I've been designing a lot of the uh, the album artwork as well. Oh, and, that's uh, right. That's I just, right. You do some artwork. I forgot about that. I'm yeah, sorry. I didn't yeah. mention that. Oh, no, no, no problem. No, it's all cool. But, um, yeah, so but I've been working on all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, honestly, it's it was it was honestly I took it as a blessing in a way, because uh, before before the pandemic, I was working six days a week. I had no time for my art, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, and then so it was. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. It was truly a blessing and uh, yeah, I kind of miss it. I know it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of weird about that. I'm so happy about this whole remote thing. I'm never going back to a normal office again ever. Yeah, right. Just never. <laughs> Why would you want to? No, it's like what the hell is the point? I mean, spending the yeah. gas, possibly getting into an accident, the, the office exactly. politics, all the stupid crap I'm like now, bye. Yeah. Call me at the house. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out. Yeah. So I mean you, you you miss human contact, though. That's the one. That's the I don't know. Downside. I, I got a family. But, I, I got that's enough human contact. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, they, they torment me enough. I don't need any more from, from from a stranger at work. That's okay. You know. Yeah. So you, I, I mean, how did you take it? Uh, how was your? You know, how did you well, deal with it? I mean, you have a different situation, so you got my, a family. And my well, my wife, uh, she has a, a a big job for a pharmaceutical company, and and she's been. 
um, doing the remote thing for like almost 10 years. So it, she's one of the first people I ever known that did that. And that's just the, the, yeah. the nature of the work they wanted her to do. And she just kept on with it. I only started doing it about a year and a half ago. And I, I'm just totally happy. I mean, I cannot believe that yeah. I got more time for my family. I, I feel happier with the job. I actually make more money than I did working in the office. And the reason I say yeah. that is because when you factor in, I don't have to get as many oil changes. I used to have to drive two and a half hours a day to go to work. Oh, yeah, in another state, literally to get there. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the gas, uh, the 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 lunch, all the all the nonsense that goes with all that, you know. Um, literally, and get paid more on top of that. I'm like, and tell and telling out the word with all the stupid politics because, for me, unlike other people. Um, I'm an older guy, and uh, I got married, and I had children much, much later in my life. So when when you tell, let's say, uh, you know, you got a manager who's a woman, you know, and you're you're in your fifties. Listen, uh, I'm trying to modulate my schedule because I still got a family life. I have a younger children and everything. Like, I don't give a crap. No one took care of me when I had that situation. So what do I care about you? That's the kind of reaction you get. What you didn't expect. Yeah. Women are actually just as nasty as the guys was. I'm like, well, that's wonderful. I'm glad how I'm, I'm glad how you improved on the jerk that treated you, and now you became a jerk the same way. Just like, yeah, it's just that like you're you're a jerk with breasts now. Great, that's what we that's what we need in the world. So I used to have to deal with that issue a lot when I when I became in charge. I made sure that the the single people who had children, we had some schedules that made sense for them, and did whatever allowances I could because I understood how important that was, and I made sure I did the same thing for myself too. And I wouldn't take a I wouldn't take a, a promotion if it, if it meant that I, I had less family time. I don't give a crap. You can keep the money. It's, yeah. it's not worth it. <laughs> so when I got to do this remote stuff, where I never have to worry about any of that crap anymore, I'm like, I am never ever going back. And I'm serious. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. Nope. I'm I'm really not. I got like, what do I got? I got I got six years left to retire, and I'm done. And I already retired once. I mean, I mean to retire for the second time. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so that, that's enough. I'm done. Right. <laughs> and I don't, there's, there's nothing that can compel me back. I'm telling you, nothing. You could tell me. Yo, not with that commute. Not with that Oh, commute. man. You, oh, you, man. You, you could tell me that they're going to give me $3,000 every friggin' week to, to show up, and everybody in the office is naked and look like Halle Berry, and I'm like, I'm still staying home. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I'm staying home. Uh, <laughs> send me, send me, send me a couple pictures, okay? Peace. <laughs> oh yeah. man. So have you been uh, been able to work on stuff more then? Now that you have well, a little, I, little I, more time. I've or? always, I've always worked on stuff. It's been 37 years now so it to me it's always been a built into my habit in my life whether i was married or not yeah so i never, same, I, never felt, I never felt there was more time for the writing i but i did feel that the work arrangement was more time for my family which was just yeah important. that's great so i'm happy yep. i'm happy with that i really am you were saying you, you you're working on a novel or you were done with the novel yeah i'm done with the novel i just have to uh Right now, I have to do some more editing, and I have to get I have to get a new Chromebook because uh, my Chromebook, of course, they stop updating the stuff, <laughs> so they force you to get a new one. Uh, but so my uh, current Chromebook can't um, upload the whole document anymore wow. for whatever reason. So yeah, so I have to get a whole either get a new book or I was thinking about just printing it out somewhere and just like hand editing it for now, and then just to get it done, yeah. like. Um, but yeah, I've also just been working on, uh, I've been putting together a 
poetry books as well. I, I submitted those, so waiting to hear some news on those. So. Okay. Well, you gonna tell us a little yeah. bit more about the novel if you can? Is that possible? Just like a little brief. Yeah, uh, yeah. The novel is. Uh, it's a. It's a coming of age, I guess. Coming of age story. It spans um his kid's life from when he's you know just got out of high school, like that first. A uh, year out 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 of high school, and then spans to uh, basically like almost 20 years later, and uh, just spans his life and um, just is um, kind of like me, just uh, his uh, wandering around from job to job, trying to see where he's gonna go, see if his new jobs are gonna take him any new places, and unfortunately, it doesn't take him anywhere new. He's kind of just stuck in the same loop, and uh, yeah, and it's just it, the whole story is really about grief and uh, and just how it can take control of your life in a way. All right, well that, that's, that's, it, that's definitely know. that's definitely going to be interesting. I, I always tell people, uh, especially writers, when when we talk in, in in private, is um, while I'm I'm not trying to belittle anybody's uh, issues, whether it be depression or they have certain phobias and something like that. But I always remind them, too, that just the journey that they've already taken in life, it, it's already hard and, and many times complex. So whatever you could do to lighten, you know, your own burden is it, it, better, yeah. better for you, not only as a person, but also as an artist. Because otherwise, you know, uh, people, uh, they wind up doing great work, but they wind up not being very happy. Yeah, right. It's definitely uh, cathartic, the writing process. I would say, it's, you know, pretty selfish. You know, you're so it's a good. That's why I like. That's why I also like doing other arts too, because it just free. Like uh, writing is very selfish. It is very, you know, about yourself. It's it's your own, you know, your own drive for it. Like so, it's fun to be a part of a band because that helps me step outside of that. Yeah, you know? I, still, I think that's great. Still being an artist. And, I really do. I'm really yeah. envious of that because I just write and that's it. I have no other artistic talent. I mean, I do a bunch of covers uh, art for the, uh, you know, for the show and yeah. stuff like that, just because it's it's not hard to particularly do. But I don't really consider it a talent. I'm just a writer, uh, and yeah. I don't have anything else. And, and and that's and that's fine. But I always wish I, I I did because, you know, it would be it'd be great. I mean, singing the police, huh? If if they put me on on a, a, a recording studio, all music would end on the planet. <laughs> They would just say, oh, they would just funny. say, let's just listen to crickets and birds because Mark has destroyed <laughs> the entire planet of music. You know, I'm serious. So. Have you ever tried to play an instrument or anything? No, or? I, 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 when I, yeah. when I was younger, just because it, it, it looks so fascinating, but I, I can't, I can't get it mainly because uh, I probably suck in math, and, and also <laughs> because uh, I, I really can't hear what the hell is going on, and that's really important in music, particularly. You know, and um, and that's and that's fine. It's just it's just not for me. And uh, yeah, I've cool. accepted that. I've never been like angry about it or anything like that. But uh, good, you good. know, I always told yeah. people if you got something like that, no one says you can't use it, and no one says you're going to be a star at it. No one says you're supposed to try to make a living at it, but no one says right. you can't still use it as some kind of artistic outlet in your life. You grab a you know an acoustic in the corner someplace and just mess around rather than sit there beating your head over a poem that's not working out that's a great thing exactly. to, to do because when you when you don't have that 
you know, you're like me, just going to have to walk away and, you know, have a sandwich because that's about the other talent I have other than the writing, you know? Yeah. Eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I know, I, I mean, there was, comes a time where I have to walk away from all of it, you know, like <laughs> take a break from it. Um, but it, it's, it, yeah, it definitely helps me a lot to even just doing artwork, like that'll help me with my writing that'll help me with my music it'll open up my you know the the creativity in the brain almost you know just to see these separate things and how they work and how they interconnect or how they don't connect you know it's all it's all very fascinating it's all cool yeah i mean i like to listen to music a lot while i'm writing do you do do that at all or i i i do um um yeah. As much as I like different forms of music, I mean, I even like Metallica. When I when I'm writing, or if I'm even just writing down notes and everything, I usually listen to instrumental stuff and nothing uh, normal. So it's like same, same. Van, yep. Vangelis or Tangerine Dream, something like yes. that. Yes, kind of uh, I love Vangelis. Like. Yeah, <laughs> I have like about twenty of his albums. So oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I listen to him a lot. Yeah, he's awesome. I love him. He's such a good composer uh harold budd have you ever listened to harold budd no oh you should check him out he's uh he's a lot of piano work uh very in in, in the same vein as angelus just not as a wider range of uh different um instruments and stuff because vangelis really is he's he's just a composer too you know he's like a classical composer with yeah. uh modern music and it's cool yeah, I just I love him, and he helps, it helps me think sometimes when I when I need a little help. You know, absolutely, I, I, it I, takes I you to a different Vangelis. state. Yeah, I call, <laughs> I call him. I don't, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like, I do the same. <laughs> push the, I push the button, uh, dude. I need some help. <laughs> that's, the, Definitely, the, the sandwich and the brandy is not doing it, but you might be able to. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, so yes. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what are your, some of your writing habits? Uh, yeah, I, I talk about that a lot. Um, I've written a few articles about it and I even did a couple of shows about it, but yeah, people have to find what I call their rituals themselves. Yeah. I mean, we all might share a few things here and there, Definitely. but usually yeah. you have to find something that's individualistic to you because it, it helps build like a, almost like a, like a safety blanket. Uh, for you to be able to to start, you know, composing something, which later on might turn out to be crap, but you don't know until you until you're there. So, um, I'm not one of those people that has um an issue about the day versus the night. Mm -hmm. Some people they write on a timely basis. Mark, I only could write like about two in the morning, man, and that's it. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I got other people that like I can't write at day in the night. I'm too damn tired. My mind's foggy. I have to do it in the daytime. You know, so I'm one of those people that it doesn't really matter to me about the time of the day. When I have the time, I try to do things in my own style of writing is, and it's no different than when I put together the standalone shows for the podcast is I prefer to work on uh, some type of an outline. I even have an outline for a poem, for a short story, yeah. for the for the show, for, for a book I'm writing. Because within that outline there, there are going to be some notes about things I can carry on and go with. Because I can't count. I don't want to sound like you know I have Alzheimer's over here or something, but I can't <laughs> I can't count on the memory I had when I was 20 or 30 years ago. I'm not young anymore. 
I can't remember something that might have been I was writing three months ago. I, I used mm. to be able to do that kind of recall. I don't have that any longer to do. I mean, it still happens, but the, right. the notes help trigger things that otherwise it's not, it's harder to get out naturally. And, and, and it gives me a direction that maybe I can continue to follow as I'm trying to see if this is worth something or not. So having notes means that I have a portability and therefore I also can now maximize on the time that could be available. That could be a few hours in the afternoon. That might be some time in the morning. It could be in the evening when everybody's at bed. But whatever it is, I could just go back to the notes and it becomes a, a good touchstone for me to be able to, to be creative. And it's something I developed over the years because when you go from being a single guy who's partying all the time, still writing, and then you go from a military guy who's traveling around the world, and then you go from somebody that eventually gets married and has a family, your life is changing whether you believe that it is or not. And for some writers, and I was at one point this way too, I recognized the changes but I didn't think they had a real bearing on my creative life or my inner thinking or the way I should operate as a writer. I'm like, ah, yeah. I could do the same thing. But no, I can't do the same thing because, first of all, I don't have the same time constraints. I don't have the same feelings anymore. I don't even think, right. I don't even think the same way. This kid just vomited in my face. What the hell am I going to think about that day? You know, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just picked him up and he peed on my, on my shoulder. Great, thanks. <laughs> So it's not the same thing as spilling a drink and you know on, on your rug, so it's it's, right. it's a different lifestyle. So I I had to uh, respect that because it was different. I had to change the way I did things creatively, and when I did that, it allowed me to continue to write without without the new life becoming a a real obstacle. And some people, maybe they can continue the way they were writing all those years, no matter what's going on, and that's fine if they can. But I found that I couldn't. I found that I had to move where the right where my life was moving in order to be able to bring the writing along. Otherwise, it w it would have stayed behind. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, outline outlining that's something I need to work on. I've I've tried before, but I just I uh, I just do notes like you do. Um, but I would like to do an outline like that just to especially with stories. Yeah, it's, See it, how that works it doesn't out. have to be formal. So if you make it too yeah, formal, right. you're going to stress yourself out. It, it's very informal. You write some notes. Let's say you have a short story. And let's say, because uh, that's the way I think. Not all writers are going to think this way. But let's say this short story, I already have a title for it. And I have a couple, yeah. of, I have a couple of things I want to say in it. But particularly, there's a certain theme or angle that I want to make sure that's in there. Well, I'm going to put those in my notes. Boom, boom, boom. That's going to be part of my outline. You know what I mean? This purple, yeah. this purple alien is gonna fly by Jupiter. You know, and that, you know, and all, and all of that. I want to make sure that you know, he's purple. He's a friggin' alien. He's gonna fly by Jupiter. No matter what else I'm saying in there. So by by doing that in the notes in the outline, it allows me to preserve some of the things that I believe it's gonna be important. This way, I can start crafting things around what I felt was like a, a central theme, or even something that's just a priority. As long as I can mm. do that, I feel more creatively involved in it than if it's just like, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to do this alien fiction piece and shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's all I got. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm, purple. <laughs> Jupiter. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then I need another half a bottle of brandy to figure out the rest. So, 
So it, it's uh, it to me, I I found that to be helpful, especially since I I was one of those people that um, and I swear I could be in a club and I'd be right now freaking poet and you know on a cocktail freaking napkin and throwing yeah. in my jacket. I'm the same girl, way. A girl looking at me going, "What the hell are you doing?" I got this idea from a, I got this idea from a poem, and then I realized later on that. Sometimes too much candor with women is a bad thing because when, when you tell when you tell a woman that you're in a club with her and she's got this sexy dress on and you're writing about a poem, well that's just that's just like birth control. You you just ruined everything. She's probably gonna run away, okay? So you just don't say anything. I I I have an appointment. I just don't want to forget it. So it's just lie, okay? <laughs> but uh, I found that by doing that now with. The new life, and of course, with a smartphone, I could use that for notes as well. I can still incorporate yeah. some of those old feelings in a new way, and still, you know, still move on ahead. And that's pretty much what I did, and that that worked for me, and it still does. Yeah, I I I know I use the phone sometimes, but I still carry around a little notebook, little little pen, just in case uh, when the moment strikes. You know, I've I've always done that. I think it's good. Especially with uh, just getting ideas and stuff and just having notes and just the practice of writing, you know, just always working on it. I think that's a good thing, especially writing it out. It, you know, it always feels different when you're typing or how do you feel about that? Well, uh, yeah, because as corny and as cliche as it sounds, when someone asks me, man, what do you do about writing? Uh, you friggin' write, okay? And, yeah. <laughs> and if, if you're doing what I'm doing, which is like notes and outline, Sometimes right there, one day it just kicks in, and the next thing you just wrote like three pages of stuff. Yeah. From yeah. like four lines. So it, it helps you to jumpstart it by just writing, period. And then, Absolutely. And then, of course, uh, for me, I don't do a lot of regular writing on a, on a, on a uh, keyboard or um, a laptop or something. Um, I save that more for editing. I found that I can edit better on the computer than I can write. I don't know if it's the screen messing my eyes up or – just the, the looking at a blank screen is depressing. I don't know, but I don't like doing it, so I only save it for editing. I very rarely do anything new on on the computer. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I just type it up too. Uh, I I use my handwritten notes and I type it from there, and then like I edit it the same way. That's it, yeah. For the com the computer is great for editing, definitely. Um, but I still like to write things out and. And, uh, yeah, it, and yeah, time of day doesn't matter for me either. Like it's, I'll write in the day. I'll write, write at night. It's preferably, I used to always write at night cause I would always be working during the day. And then, and then, and then my schedule switched to where I was working at night. So then I was <laughs> working, uh, writing during the day. So I've had it all and, uh, I don't really prefer either one, but actually maybe I do. Maybe I like night riding a little more, you know? <laughs> Well, yeah, for years, yeah, for years, that's what I used to do. It's just strictly night writing, and it's how a lot of writers start anyway. And I, yeah. I, I had to train myself to be able to take advantage of the moment too, because that's the that's the the problem exactly, with when your life right. when your life changes. That means your schedule is going to probably change too. Well, what happens if you're just too exhausted at night? What happens if it's exactly you, right? You don't have Which you don't have no <laughs> no no gas in your tank, but you're like, wow, I got three hours. Well, Jesus, that's just that's horrible. That's actually a tragedy because what the hell are you going to do yeah. in three hours? So yeah. I had to train myself to really just try to take advantage of the moment. It took a while to do, but notes and, and outlines really helped me to get there, to, to make that, to connect the dots on that because I I had to do that because 
there's times, and you're going to have these times, like any other writer is going to have these times, where you stay up late and you sacrifice maybe sometimes your sleep time to get something creatively done. And that's fine. But I, I find that as you get older, you can't always do that. It, it becomes yeah. it becomes too much of a sacrifice to you. I mean, it, every so often you, you feel really tired that next day, but you feel comfortable that I got something creative broke through. Okay, great. But right. there's other times you're like, I'm exhausted. What the hell did any of that matter? So um, I don't like the the whole feeling of exhaustion. I, I just don't. I, I figured there had to be another way for me to do things where I'm not pushing myself because one of the problems when you're older is, is when you push yourself and you don't get enough sleep, that what happens is you lower your immune system. And when you do that, you wind up getting sick a lot. And I was, I, yeah, was, yeah. I was losing my voice every couple of months. You know, I was getting colds that would last for weeks. What I was saying was is that um, it's, it's important to try to find some continuity and continuity is not the same thing as you're doing the same doing the same thing it just means that yeah. you're writing but you might be writing at a different period of time you might be writing in, in, in a different time of the day or maybe even in, in a different arrangement but i found that it was it was not a good idea to push myself because like i said you lower your immunity you get sick more and it stays with you longer too and you know losing my voice or, or being ill when i still have to deal with a family and, and work and everything else i have to do it's it, yeah. it, I was doing that to myself, so I had to I had to stop doing that. I had to try to get better better sleep. I mean, I'm still yeah. not the greatest sleeper. I still I don't get more than six hours, but six hours is healthy enough for me to not get sick and, and still operate. Anything less than that is a real problem. Yeah, yeah, I've been noticing uh, just getting more sleep always helps. I used to push myself sometimes and not you know try and wake up earlier before work to get some writing done and. I've definitely reached an age where I'm starting to do that a lot less. <laughs> I think it's just good for the brain to just rest too. Cause sometimes I'm just too active with it, you know, uh, just thinking about writing too much or thinking about creating something too much. So lately I've been trying to just take a little break from give myself a little more of a schedule. Like this day I'll take a, you know, won't do anything, you know, won't even read, you know, I'll just go for a walk, skateboard and, watch a movie, play video games, just to take a little break. I think that's always good too. Cause sometimes I'm just, I get too obsessed. Have you ever felt like that where you just feel like, Oh, I'm always wanting to write. Or... <laughs> sometimes I, I, I do. And I don't like downtime because I'm more of a workaholic when it concerns things like this, but exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely necessary. I'm going to go on this seven day cruise. And I promise you, I won't, won't do one bit of writing, not, not even a second <laughs> note, not because, yeah. not because, um, I, I'm like saying no, but the truth of the matter is, it's just that the whole environment doesn't, doesn't make it conducive. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I'm, yep. one, I'm one of those writers that I can't write under any influence of alcohol and not even one drink. And I, I have no concentration. So you know, I guarantee, yeah. I guarantee on that cruise and off the cruise, uh, I'll be drinking. So <laughs> that, that right there means nothing artistic will be happening, which is cool. With me. And, and, yeah. And, and that's fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt that way sometimes. And sometimes you feel that way in a mortal way, because when you get older and you see other people that, you know, they're sick and dying and or died and it's just. You know, it, it, it's bothersome because you're like, well, when is your going to be your time? But, you know, exactly. I, I, right, I, still, right. I still try to stay healthy. I'm fortunate that uh, I'm out there running three, four miles, and I'll be doing that again in about another about another six weeks once this, this foot is completely healed. 
Yeah, um, good luck. And, and, yeah, it, it'll, it's going to take a little to get back to it, but, you know, I'm out there. Everybody's on the golf course with a big gut. I'm out there, you know, still pretty thin and, you know, working it out and, and, and doing yeah. my thing. I quit smoking uh, 18 years ago as of last month. Oh so, wow, good. Yeah, awesome. so that's a that's a good thing as well. So I'm trying Absolutely. to I'm trying to I'm trying to hang around a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. I'm not a health nut, don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna be hanging out with some tofu all day talking to hippies who, you know, barely <laughs> take a shower. But I'm gonna uh I'm gonna definitely keep running and you know, try to eat better and I and I do. You know, and and, and definitely uh keep that in in mind, you know what I mean? Because yeah. uh you, you can't um you can't do the same things at 57 that you could do when you were 27. And if you don't right. oh, if you don't realize <laughs> that, you you're putting yourself in jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. Like, I'm 34, so just even thinking about how, things I would do when I was 20 years old, you know, like getting going to work on t- 2 hours sleep on on a regular basis and being <laughs> functional. Oh. <laughs> it's like oh, where that where those days go? I, I don't know, <laughs> man. But I've done I've done <laughs> worse than that in the military, man. Sometimes we oh, have yeah, but... sometimes we had weekends where we drink all that night on Friday, and we we jump onto the plane because we had a we had a mission to carry out. All right, so we're 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 still up. You know, I, maybe maybe a, a cat nap or half an hour or something like that. Go on to do the mission, fly on back, partying into Sunday, and report back to the office on on Monday, <laughs> and 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 you realize that you've gone through seventy two hours, and maybe maybe you've gotten like maybe an hour sleep, yeah. <laughs> and all of that time was simply just adrenaline and alcohol and work and and partying and yeah, couple of girls here and there. So, <laughs> yep, I mean, amazing. I'm, I'm I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even uh, begin to operate that way now. I, I probably would literally go into a coma. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> that, that, used, that used to be my life for a couple of years when I was in Germany, literally that way. Jeez. Yeah. Where were you stationed in Germany? Uh, I was at I was at Ramstein, uh, right outside oh, okay. of Frankfurt. Wow. And, wow. Uh, so that that was my life every every day of the week. I'm telling you, I was either writing or working or going to school. I went to the education center on the base to to get my degree and sleep wasn't a big part of it i'm telling you i'm yeah i guarantee <laughs> I, even on a regular night i probably got three hours maybe four hours because i'd be writing into the nights doing all kinds of other stuff crazy, <laughs> i'm telling you by wednesday i already began drinking don't even matter if i yeah. was i was working or not whatever <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Throw, throw down, <laughs> I throw down some Tic Tacs and show up at a at a, at a scene. At a scene, I'm like, yeah, they shouldn't notice this. <laughs> uh, I'm not joking. That's, uh, that's just, that used to be the life. So yeah, <laughs> it's what cool. you can do. Yeah, when you when, absolutely when, you, when, you're, when you're younger. But um, yeah, definitely. I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. I I, I look yeah. I, I look on it fondly, and that's cool. But um, I, I couldn't see myself doing that anymore. <laughs> that's all right <laughs> you know i got kids yeah. now that are teenagers so i mean i'm just glad they're not drinking and doing drugs and doing things yeah so i'm just happy to see that they're not even smoking yeah. cigarettes or vaping or any of that crap nice good yeah. good yeah i don't want i don't want i don't i don't give them like strict rules don't do this i just tell them hey i did it it's not good i smoked for 22 years i quit for 18 so um doesn't mean I'm out of the woods. One day I could still get cancer. 
Yeah, that's it's, true. It's a possibility. I mean, uh, yeah. I got my uh, recent lung x-ray. Everything looks great. I got, you know, good. check my prostate, do all the other stuff. Nothing nothing going on there. Cool. But, you know, you you just never know. So you, you, can't, yep. you, can't, you can't mock it and like, yeah, I quit. Now I'm good to go. You know? Right, right. Because yep. you, don't, you don't really know. You know? Remember Peter yep. Jennings, a journalist? That dude smoked for 40 years. He quit for 10 and got lung cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what? wild. Yeah, what the hell? So, yeah. So you don't, and then there's people who smoke all their lives who don't get it. So yeah, I know. You, you don't really, yeah, you don't really know. But I'm actually yeah. happy to to have quit because um, as I got older, I became more of a cheapskate. And I, I just didn't like the idea of spending all that money on the cigarettes. I, I know, right? It's it was, wild. It was, it was getting That's stupid. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay in the military because I, I got the duty free everything. So yeah. I, I was literally paying like four dollars for a carton of cigarettes. Wow. At the <laughs> were, they, so, were they lucky strikes? <laughs> no, I, I used to smoke these things called Salem Slim Light 100s. So oh, okay. it, was, it was pretty much like inhaling a fiber uh, glass uh, uh, surfboard, you know? <laughs> anyway, it was cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I loved them. Cool, at least. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, it, it was the military, it's like there was a. Uh, there was like a, a sign on, on, on the end of the, uh, the, the the cigarette carton saying, uh, keep smoking, because, I mean, they made it so damn cheap. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, don't yeah. even, I don't even think I spent $20 to get four cartons. I mean, that's how ridiculous it was. Yeah. Now, now it's, it's, not, it's not even possible to buy generic cigarettes on the Indian reservation for $20. That's not even possible. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you get it for 40 that that'll be a miracle. So I'm like, yeah. I, when I quit, I'm like, good. I was just tired of spending the money. And at that point, when I quit, the cigarettes would start moving, would start moving up to like uh, almost four dollars a, a, a pack. Like they were three, yeah. three something. And I'm like, this is enough. I'm getting this. Is, I can't believe it. <laughs> and I was living in Arizona, so I was actually buying them from the Indian reservation. They saved some money, but it was just getting stupid. I'm like, that's enough uh, of this crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> make a special trip over there. For people who hate me, because <laughs> for some reason I I don't know I'm I'm an ancestor of somebody that destroyed their family or something, and, yeah. but they got no problem selling me cigarettes, hoping I'm going to drop dead of cancer. Like, <laughs> something something's not right with this picture. Let me just quit. Yeah. So one day I literally just quit, <laughs> and, and and I never went back. Never. Yeah, that's good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, we've been uh, talking about some writing. Uh, Let's talk about some reading. What do you? Uh, any books you're reading right now? Uh, any good books? Any new books? Well, I tend I tend to reread things that I, I really like because they uh, not only inspire me but they help me to remember things about them and why I liked them in the first place. So you mm, know, I got a, yeah. I got a big collection of Edgar Allan Poe, sort of like some of his biggest hits. You know what I mean? So I, awesome. I read that a lot. It's a, it's the Penguin version because they always have a really good introduction in their books. Yeah, so, yeah. I like that. And I uh, I also like a lot of nonfiction, especially science stuff. And uh so I you know, I reread uh Brocker's Brain from Carl Sagan. I just that's to me that's a that's an important classic. You know, um I got a I got a book that they don't sell in America, I don't know why. So when I was in England I picked it up and it's called The Human Situation by Alex Huxley and all it is is oh. simply the, the transcripts of the speeches he gave to Santa Barbara College in the 19 uh, early 1950s, um, and it, it's they're, they're incredible um, to learn about all the things he was going to be able to write about later on when he did Brave New yeah. World and you know and all of that. So I read those a lot because they really tell you a lot about 
um, how he saw the world, especially on a man who who had so many vision problems that, you mm. know. And remember, this is also the same guy that did the peyote to try to understand about where the vision quest was out and wrote books about that. So I like right. to reread those a lot. Cool. And, and then uh, I love Harlan Ellison, so I always reread his, um, you know, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. So I always think that's an, an incredible book, not to mention an incredible title. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wasn't as science fiction in that book as he became a little later on. So those are the kind of mix of the things I, I usually read, not to mention that, you know, I, I edit aerial charts, so I get to read yeah, really right. hundreds of people's things all the time. Yeah, that's your like current way of yeah, reading, right? Yeah, that's fiction cool. And poetry, and you know, and sometimes yep. nonfiction. So yeah, I always do a lot of that because it helps keep you with people are thinking about. Yeah, uh, right, and yeah, keeps you more present in the present. I it guess. does. It does, and, and thankfully, I'm not getting as many pandemic poems because I had to send them. Some yeah. <laughs> you know, and. It, I, I know. I didn't even feel like writing about it, honestly. Oh like, man, I, I had to, I had to tell some people. I'm like, listen. I know it's gonna sound a little strange, but we're all going through that same thing, okay? Uh, so yeah. you writing about it, believe it or not, is not helpful. It's not newsworthy. We're kind of like tired of hearing about it already, really. Yeah, right, right. So right. Un unless you're gonna tell me that the alien snatched you and did some experiments to see what kind of pandemic cure could work, and then brought you back, and you had a new way of the way the world should operate, your writing is not really going to fit in what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, right. I, I yeah. didn't want to put in the guidelines, no pandemic writing, but I literally would sound tell people. I did a few. I let a few people go through with it. I'm okay. Yeah. I have to have a few. To not have any would be kind of dumb, because I'm not in denial. But I also don't want to have, you know, the pandemic chart instead of the aerial chart either. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of new things you can say, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, like that, that that would be the challenge, like you were saying. Like if you bring a new perspective to it, a unique perspective, then yeah, maybe. But if, uh, if, you're just, if it's just commentary, yeah, right. Yeah, the dude is like, what's the uh, point? Uh, I, I can't find any toilet paper in the supermarket. Okay, then wipe, <laughs> wipe your butt with the newspaper and let's move on here, okay? Come on <laughs> right. out, all right? You said, you said you hate Shakespeare. Well, guess what? You can use Macbeth for a lot more than just reading. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I had to kind of, yeah. I had to kind of put a damper on that because people were killing with that stuff. I mean, one guy gave yeah, me he gave me six poems, which is the max that people can send in. All six poems is about something pandemic related. Yeah. <laughs> one, one poem was literally about his anxiety as he's getting the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Not for it me. was, I, I, I let it write him back. I said, listen, man, okay? I got two children. I got to convince them to go do this. I'm not even sure if the damn thing's going to work or not. I got my wife wondering if, if the thing's even been tested enough and my just condemning my children to death one day. So yeah. I, got, I got enough of my own anxieties on this. Yours isn't really helpful right now, okay? Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and he was actually alluding in his poem to the fact that uh, maybe um, by getting the vaccine he might get ED. So and I know yeah, yeah. I know we all can be narcissistic and that's fine. I know we can all be a bit selfish and maybe even a bit self-conscious, but um, really I'm going to write about penises and pandemic <laughs> and, and this is when we, no, that's okay. Keep the penis <laughs> and keep the pandemic. Keep that to yourself. Right? The p words. Yeah, keep that to yourself. <laughs> 
If you want to give me a haiku on the dragonfly, I'm definitely going to roll with that, okay? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, with reading, uh, I'm, I'm, right now I'm reading a Philip K. Dick uh, short story collection, which is really, I love Philip K. Dick. Yeah, so, he's, uh, he, he's definitely somebody that I um, had spoken about in um, one of my shows, and eventually I'm just going to do like a, a good cross-section of his work as a, as a show. Oh, as, awesome. As a show itself, because he is one of the foremost writers, and it's funny because uh, really he saw the future in many ways. About, yeah, definitely. We're, about we're I, about identity. Right about <laughs> identity. So when you talk about identity with technology, and you talk about identity with uh, mental uh, illness and depression, and then you mess with identity possibly in the transgender type of situation, all, yeah. all of those things can be very confusing and overwhelming as an identity issue, which he wrote Absolutely. a lot about. And it would be interesting to talk about that because I even have an identity show about it because <clears throat> I find that identity is a, a super fascinating subject because what happens if one day you lose all your memory, okay? Mm. And and you were the dude, okay, that was the, 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 the guard for the concentration camp. And you're throwing people in pits, and you're getting them, their bodies burned in the oven, and you're calling all kinds of hateful names. And then one day, you fall on the ground, knock your head out, and now you can't remember crap, and you feel you're a good person. You don't want to do that anymore. I don't know. Do, are you still the same person? What does God? What, if there's a God, what does God? Right. What does God do about you? Does He condemn you to hell for the 28 years of of the evil you did, or does He mm. now give you a shot because now? For the next 30 years, you're a cool dude who don't hate Jews, is not a bigot, and is actually helping children. What the yeah. hell happens then? Does identity change your soul? Does it change the judgment? Does, uh, what do people do? It, 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 it's endlessly fascinating, and he really messed with it a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yep, absolutely. And just just messing with just, yeah, just technology messing with us as well, you know, like that was always something he always talked about as well, how that changes you. And, uh, yeah. That, yeah. That's, yep. that's why, I, that's why that woman intrigued me with her story. And then later on with the podcast, because ultimately as much as she was talking about her vagina, she really was talking about how the operation in her vagina had now made her feel different. And therefore her identity to herself had changed. And because yeah, that yeah. has changed, now she's wondering, is it going to change others around her? Is her whole world going to be different? That That's deep. I, I don't yeah, have to be a I woman to that. say that's pretty damn deep. So that's why I yeah. thought I was fascinated by that. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I really, I really, yeah. li I really like that. I like more people to, to do more things about that, uh, you know, writing. So I'm, I'm, yeah. hope, I'm not, and I'm hoping that they will. You know, and, and whenever I get somebody that does something like that, I, I try to promote that kind of work in the in the in the journal because um, it's sort of like my catch-all, you know, for for being intrigued about things. I, identity yeah. is, is is so much important to us now, and it becomes more important as people realize that so many things can change. Yeah. Uh, if if something happens to your identity. Even yeah, if it's absolutely. even if it's for no fault of your own, because exactly right, you, you could right. you could say that a transgender person has the fault because they want to change to another uh, gender, you know. But you can't necessarily uh, say that you know somebody who now becomes you know, a victim of amnesia has the fault 
But even right. even when the transgender person quote has the fault, is that really a bad thing if they simply say, "Listen, I I just don't feel I need to be a man anymore. I need to be a woman. I feel that's really where the rest of my destiny lies." And uh, you know, I looked at Bruce Jenner, and he's not Bruce Jenner anymore. It's Caitlyn Jenner on television. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, doesn't exactly look like a complete woman, but. Everything about that that person's doing is is womanlike, and they feel happy and content, and they're certainly intellectually capable of holding a a, a conversation and an argument. And uh, who's to say you know that they're wrong? I'm not going to, because if that person is happy, then why should that be a problem for me? Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's an interesting question for sure, definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, and I'm yeah. hope I'm hoping that we're going to see more. Um, stories about that. You know, I try to tell yeah, people yeah. now and then if I meet anybody along that line, if you do any writing, try to do something about that. People can, can learn something maybe. Maybe you can even learn something about yourself. Yeah, So definitely. hopefully we'll see more, more, more work in that because uh, I'm, I'm open to it as long as it's not, you know, bashing other people because I, I tell people all that all the time. I said, you, you can't be in a special minority status and then bash everybody else because that's, right, yeah. that's really no difference. You know what I mean? Cause I've had, yeah, I've, yeah. Had, I've had black writers that they want to bash white people in the writing. I'm like, how is this supposed to be helpful? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, well, I got, a, I had a couple of gay writers in there that, you know, making fun of straight people. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Like? How is this not bigoted? How am I not yeah, going to exactly. be a, feeling offended about that? Especially since I'm open to the, in, in the arts to all of that, that goes on. You know what I mean? In, right. in terms of publishing yeah. that, I have no problem with that, but I, I'm not supposed to be the target. I'm not targeting you. So, right, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. so I, I'm hoping to see more of that in in, in a educational and artistic and maybe even in a poignant way. I'm I'm definitely uh, ready to read that. I really am. Yeah. Yep. So cool. what, what's going to be the next thing for you? But I mean, because uh, we we talked a little uh, bit about your music, but you, you got some yeah. more musical things you're going to be doing. I mean, do you guys actually do concerts and stuff? Yeah, we actually just played a show in uh, Nyack, New York, uh, last weekend, last Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, there's not many shows. Like, it's hard to like. We're original music. We do all original music. And uh, a lot of venues now, they don't even want that. They want cover bands. They want someone, some guy with an acoustic guitar and playing songs we've all heard before. You know, oh, it's like, man. yeah, and it's like people, and they, like all these cover bands, they play the same songs too. It's like, and it's the same songs that people play on the jukeboxes. So it's like you can't escape some of these, some of this music. And it's just unfortunate too, because it's just hard to build any sort of community or, or a scene with within our music you know like people want to listen to us and people listen to us around the uh, around the country and in other countries but in just our local area it's tough to constantly put on shows and like build a like a network like that you know it's unfortunately the uh, music industry is just i don't know what's going on with it i mean it's been going on but to me it's just the internet really hasn't um opened it up as originally thought you know it's kind of just made it worse and made it harder yeah i, just, I, I hear there's that. so much content and there's I hear just that a so lot. many yeah there's, there's yeah a, a real uh, a real glut out of there i think um for for writers they they thought that all of this x ex, ex, access to technology and all of this instant communication 
would be able to spread the word more, and then they forgot yep. the, the fact that, well, you got so much stuff out there, and there's so millions of people and doing things and this and that, that if you're not marketing and figured out a, a good way of doing that, you're not really going to get your stuff out there successfully anyway. And uh, unfortunately, the, the music's the same way. And I'm, I'm yeah, I know a, 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 a couple of friends in Scandinavian country. They're a metal band, and uh, they literally did the the entire album themselves with their own little mini studio. Yeah, and, yeah. and it sounds great. I think he said he, yeah. it only cost them seven thousand dollars to do. So something I've seen a small amount of money. Yeah, you know? right. And now all he needs the record company to do is to agree to distribute it because they don't have to do anything else. And then he just has yeah. to go out there. But, you know, you got to go out there, That's, the fourth band and, you know, three other bands and, and hope that people are going to catch on to what you're doing. And that's their way of marketing. But it, it's pretty grueling and in, in, in many ways kind of depressing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how we're that's how we're built too. Like we're doing all this music ourselves. I mean, we had this studio that we recorded the album in, but um like uh there our instrumental album that we have that we recorded ourselves uh you know um we're gonna have some new singles that we're gonna be coming out that recorded ourselves it's just easier that way but yeah that's what we just need someone to just promote it and distribute it really that's where we're at as well so it's just yeah unfortunately it's just um i don't know i don't know what's going on with it <laughs> yeah but uh yeah, and then um, can you hear me, Mark? Yes. Oh, all right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it sounded like a cut out there. No. Um, yeah. Um, then I got my so poetry book is called Night Swim, dedicated to my night riding. <laughs> so I sent that out to oh, um, friends publishing company. Hopefully, uh, hear back about that soon. Cool. That'd be great to have that out. And then, yeah, and then I have another poetry book called Aphex Blue. I'm going to be sending that out. Hopefully, here is some back, some good news. I'm putting uh, together a poetry, uh, not a poetry, a uh, short story collection as well. Good. I haven't come up with a title for that, though. I'm going to, I might just use one of the um, short story titles. But, uh, yeah, and I kind of uh, connected the short stories as well, where I loosely, you know, I put some of the same characters in all the stories, or they talk about the characters and stories, so kind of they all kind of connect in a way. Um, so that's been a lot of fun doing that. But well, yeah. that is great, and uh, definitely uh, look forward to having some of that out there, especially uh, when we can, you know, lend the word and put something on Area Troy about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely uh, keep you posted on all of that. And uh, yeah, yeah, and we'll have some new music soon. I mean, yeah. So I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, I'll get um, I'll get a link from you when you send it, and then we could try to put it on one some of your work, so we could put it at the bottom of the bio. You know, they can get the album here or whatever. Because yeah, uh, I, I, it's not the same thing as is writing. Usually they have like websites just for music. I think right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We have our our Bandcamp, which is I mean, we're on Spotify too. We're on all the streaming services, so you can just look up Cold Heaven and find us on that. But uh, our Bandcamp link is where you could buy us digitally for now. Um, we don't have any. We have a seven inch for any uh, vinyl people, um, but uh, we don't have any other physical copies right now. Working on that, but wow. it all cool. costs. 
it all costs money. And, uh, no, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I have money, you they, know. They say that vinyl is making a return, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? I, I don't. I, <laughs> I'm, I, I've never been against it, but I, you know, I remember when CDs came out. I'm like, thank God, because it's taking too much room. These stupid vinyls, anyway. Yeah. I, was, I was never really excited with them, and I never I bought like them CDs again. More too. Yeah, I never bought them again. Once CDs came out, that was it. I never bought a, a, another record again. Yeah, and, and now that it's come yeah, out, it's come out again. I don't care. I don't even have a record player. Whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I just like physical copies too. You know, I'm just more of that. I've always been that way too. Even when all the streaming stuff, everyone would always be like, "Oh, get this new streaming, get this," and I'm always like, "Yeah, I like the physical copies. It's convenient streaming, but I much rather hold something. You know, it's like yeah. holding a book." Yeah, I understand like, that. It, it, you got liner notes and all kinds of stuff you're not going to get with streaming, no doubt about that. Exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. I remember. And for, it's just, it's different form of media, you know? It just I, feels different. I remember, yeah. I remember uh, not even a couple of years ago, I did for a little while, anyway, I did some record reviews for uh, for um, a website, and after all they do is give you the streaming, uh, free streaming one of the, of, the, of the album. In the end, that was all you're going to get. You're not getting any money. You know, you get yeah. you get into just a streaming thing. You just put it into your computer one day, and you don't get to actually have the actual even CD. So that that kind of got a little tiring because it felt like, wow, I'm not really getting anything over here, but just some streaming. And you know, I'm helping yeah. I'm helping somebody promote their work. That's great, but you know, I'm not getting any much as a writer here. Right, right. That was a, yep. that was that was a pain in the neck. But I yeah. I, I think I, well, I think as writers and, and maybe even also as musicians, we're all going to discover that you know uh, the technology that's out there now and that that continues to to uh, progress, it, it, it's going to have a, a mixed bag to it and it's going to have uh, you know that cutting edge on both sides. I mean, it, it's going to yeah. be helpful in some ways, in other ways, it's going to just curtail you in, 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 in other ways too. It's not going to be some gigantic bonanza like everybody was thinking. Yeah, uh, definitely. If we were thinking Absolutely. that if we were thinking that in the early days, we were definitely wrong. Yep. <laughs> Remember at one point yeah, the book's absolutely. gonna vanish. There will be no more books. I mean, how can I know, right? Come on, <laughs> ca- calm down with that stuff now. <laughs> Don't get carried away. Yeah. Oh no. I know the uh, the book is dead. It's like, oh geez, I don't think so. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even saying vinyl's dead. I'm just saying I don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't choose yeah. to use that. I don't choose to go get another damn record player. And it's not just that. I would have to find somewhere in the house now to set it up because I'm no longer set up that way. Like it used to be with a whole stereo and the equalizer and all that. I don't have any of that stuff anymore. That's a, that's like from a. Like a Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.